we're going th we'll be going through this topical series, and and I want to take a look at um, um, one of uh, well, you might call them the big three. You know, last week we looked at the biggest one because Paul said it's the greatest. You know, love, and I've taught a lot over over the years, obviously on faith, but Paul mentions that there's three things that remain: faith, hope, and love. And hope is kind of the you know, one that's left out a lot. Not taught as nearly as much as love or faith. And yet hope is uh, obviously pretty significant if there's only three that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the definition of hope is, is this, to long for with expectation of fulfillment. And so that's like, you know, the th thing is, the thing is, like if you had a... Um, um, if, 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 if God said that there was a land, you know, that was out there, you know, for you, uh, hope is not something where you say, well, I wish it existed because God already said it existed. Faith comes in, and faith is able to see that land even though you've never been there. Then you are filled with hope, which is the expectation of being there. So hope fills you with joy because you understand, because your faith is able to grab hold of it and hold on to it. So they're very closely linked. And Paul writes that love always hopes. So here's love. So they're all really interwoven. And, and love has, has specific desires that are not based on fantasy, but on the expectation of fulfillment. That's hope. So hope is not just wishing for something to happen, but expecting something based upon what? God's word and his promises. It's always based on something. And so love always hopes, and hope is tied directly into faith. So these three go hand in hand. The opposite of hope is hopelessness, which is defined this way, having no expectation of good or of success, which is kind of depressing. You just got no hope. G.K. Uh, Chesterton wrote this about it. To love means loving the unlovable. To forgive means pardoning the unpardonable. Faith means believing the unbelievable. And hope means hoping when everything seems hopeless. It's well written. I mean, when you think of, of love, the true, it's, it's practical because true love is loving those that are difficult to love, the unlovable. And forgiving means forgiving people that... In your mind, they don't deserve it. They're unpardonable. They've done the unimaginable. But true forgiveness is that. And faith is believing things that most will not believe. It's just unfathomable, unbelievable. And then hope is when everything seems hopeless, you're going to hope nevertheless. So we have these two extremes. We have hope and hopelessness. And we have expectation and despair. Hope leads us into joy. Hopelessness leads us down the path of discouragement and disillusionment, frustration. Hope leads us into fellowship, encouragement. Hopelessness takes us down into isolation. Hope keeps us living in the present and living for the future. Living in the present and for the future. Hopelessness keeps us despairing about the present and, and bound to the past, which affects our future, of course. Romans chapter 4 has a great passage on hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, so here we see faith and hope again, 
He faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that's older than Richard. Wow. Okay. And that Sarah's womb was also, no? <laughs> also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And so hope rests on the Word of God. Hope does not rely upon the circumstances of life, but on the Word of God. Circumstances were against Abraham, don't you think? I mean, both he and his wife were far beyond their ability to have children. It was a situation that was hopeless because it was impossible. Consider what Abraham, what the Lord promised to Abraham. He said, your offspring shall be as countless as the stars of heaven. Sarah's barren, Abraham's impotent. This is quite a problem when you've just been told that you're going to populate the whole earth, you know. And so the passage begins by saying, against all hope. So that makes sense, against all hope. I mean, after all, in an earthly way of looking at the situation, which is the way we, we often, more often than not, I think, we view things from our perspective, from this angle rather than from heaven's, from, from the Lord's angle. And in every way of looking at this situation, how could a person have confidence that not only a baby would come out of a barren woman and an impotent man, but the entire world would, would, uh, would come as, be populated as a result? How could anyone have so? That's just a wild idea. And Abraham was faced with this entirely hopeless situation, yet it says, in hope, he believed, or in hope, he had faith. See, that's how it's connected. Belief is faith. So hope, um, Abraham's hope was not in the changing of a situation or a circumstance, nor was his faith, you know, when he was sacrificing, when to sacrifice his son, his faith, his faith was not in a circumstance, according to circumstance. His hope, his faith was in God and God's promises to him. The difference between Abraham and many others is that Abraham's faith, confidence, hope was in a person. And, and, and we're not asked to have hope and faith in, in circumstantial changes, we're told to have faith in the Lord. We're told to have faith in His promises, which is His Word. And it says, I love this phrase, that Abraham was fully persuaded. You see, that mean, fully persuaded means you, you have an, an anchored faith in the Lord. It's solid. When Paul was in prison, do you think his hope was in his release, in the circumstantial changes of his situation? Or do you think that he placed his faith in the Lord and the word of the Lord and his promise to him, um, uh, uh, you know, you know, no matter what happened. And when Daniel was thrown into the pit of lions, do you think his faith was in God changing him circumstances or just in God himself whom he served? Then there's the disciples of Jesus, however. Do you think that they had hope after Jesus was crucified and dead? It actually says, no, they didn't. They were without hope, meaning they had no hope for good or success. That's the def definition. Because they didn't understand the Word of God. All they could see was the circumstances. Here was their friend for three and a half years. The one they believed was the deliverer of Israel, the Messiah of God. And now he's dead. Now he's gone. 
And so whenever you and I are faced with difficult circumstances, even when they're seemingly impossible, like uh, Paul's, like Daniel's, like the disciples without, outside of Jesus, in, when things appear hopeless, that's when we're expected to exercise hope in the person of God and in the, in the Word of God, per, fully persuaded that God is faithful. Because it's not, a, it's not necessarily about things changing, you know, circumstances changing, situations. It's all about God demonstrating that He is faithful and that His promises are true, always. The devil's goal is to keep us focused on circumstances because he knows that when we focus on circumstances, we have a tendency to become hopeless, and then your, our faith will be ineffective. There's, now, that's how the hope and hope, faith work together again. Once we look at circumstances, we become hopeless, and then our faith is ineffective, and that leads even to further hopelessness because we thought we were believers. How could we don't have any hope? What are, why, why are we despairing? You know? But you know what the good news is? Whenever circumstances are difficult, whenever we're at our darkest moment, God loves to shine the brightest. He, de- he loves to come right in the midst of hopelessness. He loves to break into our, dar- our darkest moments, our despair, and bring deliverance, bring victory. He delights in it. So how can we allow Him to do it? By placing our hope in Him and, and His promises. One of the things I like, you see, about Romans chapter 4, when it's talking about hope, is it says about Abraham, he faced the fact, you know, that he was beyond childbearing years. So if, even though our focus is not supposed to be on the circumstances around us, we do need to face the facts. In other words, we don't hide our head in the sand and ignore, you know, what's going on around us. We, we, we look at the situation as Abraham. We consider the impossibilities. Okay, this is an impossible situation I'm in. But then we choose to place our hope in God despite the impossibilities of it. Abraham faced the fact that both he and Sarah were completely unable to uh, bear children, but they didn't wallow in their uh, hopelessness. They instead reflected upon God's promise, especially on the character of God. And I think as he dwelt upon the Lord, the problem became less and less f- formidable to Abraham. And that can happen to us as well, because when we place our hope in, uh, in Jesus, when we place our hope on Jesus and his character, who he is, the circumstances around us don't. That's why the Bible says, keep your eyes fixed upon him, because the circumstances begin to minimize begin to feel less intimidating. And it's not a matter of, by the way, of having more faith. Abraham's faith is not an example to us because of how much he had, but upon whom his faith was focused. That's his example. The object of faith matters more than anything else. Jesus said, if you just have a little bit of faith, what can you do? He said, if you can have a little bit of faith, like the seed of a mustard plant, you can move mountains. So just a little bit of faith. If it's directed at the right place and the right person, it's much more powerful than a ton of faith, a great amount of faith, if it's directed in the wrong place. And that's one of the reasons I I think that claiming things in the name of God is not a very good way to go. People say, claim it, believe it, you got to have more faith, etc., etc. Intentions are good. But, but we're called to place our faith and hope in a person, not in a situation. And we need to also be careful that we don't claim something that God is not doing. Paul could have claimed his release from prison, but instead he just left it to God. 
He just left it to God and praised God, accepted his time in prison and simply remained steady in his faith to such a degree that no matter what happened to him, if he was continuing to be in prison or if he was released, no matter what, his hope and his faith would not weaken. He would remain strong. Now, it's true that we can grow in faith. When I say that Paul's faith did not weaken, I mean that despite his dismal circumstances, being in prison with Silas, his faith in God actually grew stronger as, as the hours went by. Instead of losing hope and becoming frustrated, he became stronger in his faith, and so did Abraham. It says in Romans 5, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And then it says, yet he did not waver. We know that waver is a back and forth type of thing. Changing the, the uh, um, you know, going between, you know, having two minds about something, that kind of a thing. And when you consider his circumstances, Abraham, don't you think he must have been tempted to go back and forth with this early one and then later with Isaac? I mean, I mean, I mean, to waver, to change his mind, to rethink things, to, you know, write out a list of pros and cons, you know, anything like that. And in his refusal to waver or doubt, it says he was strengthened in his faith. Now, when did Abraham give glory to God? Was it before or after the promise was fulfilled? It was before. That's when he gave. Before it was, before it was fulfilled. After it was given, before it was filled. Why? Because, as it says, he was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I love that. Fully persuaded. Because hope always looks at a problem in the light of a promise. Abraham had a problem, but he looked at it in the light of a promise. And behind any promise is the character of the one who makes it. So if you're promised something by someone who lacks character, are you really going to trust the person? Can you really believe the person? But when the God of all eternity makes a promise, we can completely count on it because... The one who made it is absolutely perfect. He cannot make a mistake. It's not like later on he goes, oops, I, I'm, I didn't mean to make that promise. He's never done that before. And Abraham somehow knew all of this. He knew that no matter what the circumstances, how impossible the situation, God is faithful. And his, and his hope was not in things. It was in God's faithfulness. The Bible teaches us that without God, um, we are without hope. Without God, we're without hope, which means the only way to have hope and therefore be released from hopelessness is, is to have God. Psalm 42, 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Sounds like a little bit of self-talk. He's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. He's reaching down and saying, what's going on? Why are you depressed? Why are you frustrated? And I think sometimes we do need to challenge ourselves like David is doing. Or I'm not sure who wrote that particular psalm, but you know, one of the psalmists. And we need to challenge ourselves in the midst of, of feeling any kind of despair or, or, or disillusionment or, or, or discouragement. We need to challenge ourselves when, when, when we want to isolate. Have you ever had that when you want to pull away? 
We need to challenge ourselves. We need to challenge ourselves when everything around us becomes uh, frustrating or, or challenging or, or, or stressful. We need to challenge ourselves to take our eyes off the circumstances and off the emotional uh, uh, condition of everything and onto God himself. Love always hopes. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, you know he's called that. The God of hope, I love it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so hope brings joy, and hope brings peace. And then the byproduct is overflowing joy. So hope brings, it, we place our hope in the Lord, not in circumstances, but in God himself. And what's the, what, what is the fruit of that is going to be um, um, joy and also peace, and then what comes out of that, this life of joy and peace, is this overflowing hope. It's like this wonderful little cycle. And so what happens when something overflows? It spills all over. Makes a mess. A good mess, though, when it has to do with hope. Because when you have overflowing hope, it spills over to over other people. When you have overflowing, overflowing joy, overflowing Peace, all of this stuff just spills over into other people's lives. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Somebody come, why, why, why? give me a reason why you're having hope right now. Why would anybody ever say that? Because you would be in a situation that would require, based on um, the, the, the mentality of the world, that would require hopelessness, that would require despair, frustration, you know, criticalness, uh, anger, all kinds of, you know, judgment, all kinds of kind of thing. And someone said, why would you, how could you possibly have hope? Peter's saying, be prepared to answer this. And Romans 15, right before that, it says that this comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that the, the Holy Spirit wants to so infuse us with hope that people will see it. You know, people that know our circumstances and, and, and people in the world who will marvel at the hope that we have despite our, our situations. And that's why I've been... You know, so patient. I mean, we've done a lot of things in the neighborhood over the years, um, and, and, and you know, as, as far as you know, just you know, the barbecues and things like that, getting together with them. And my prayer is, you know, I've never forced anything, pushed anything, talked. It's just like my prayer is, let them see, Lord, during times when they are going through difficult circumstances, and they ask, you know, for help, or when we go through that, they're able to see things because. Because when we're able to go through difficult situations and people see it, they, they, they may say, what, what, what gives? How can you have that kind of hope? And the Bible says be prepared for an answer, does it? And it's right there. Be prepared to give an answer. Because people are longing to have hope. I mean, come on, who likes despair? Who, who, who really enjoys hopelessness? <laughs> you know, and depression and isolation. So if someone is... Without hope, some, if someone without hope, um, if someone is, is without hope, without God, then our demonstration of hope has the ability to lead people to Him. And so, I want to close the um, today with with five things that that hope provides. The first one is that hope will keep you in God's will for your life. 
How many know Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And of course, you know, uh, I kind of sometimes like to emphasize the second I. I know the plans I have for you because, you know, we have a lot of plans for ourselves, a lot of goals, dreams, and there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to dream. God wants to vision. He's given us imagination. He's given us creativity. But it's just like, wait a minute, I know the plans I have for you. And this, and because I want to prosper you, I don't want to harm you, but I want to give you hope, and I want to give you a future. And so you might say, well, that's what I want, right? I want all, who doesn't want that stuff? Who doesn't want to live without harm? Who want, doesn't want to prosper and, and have hope? And, and, uh, and, and, and because hopelessness separates us from God's will for us. Hope is what keeps us grounded. Hope is what keeps us within his will. Secondly, hope will not disappoint you. Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given you, given us. Have you ever been disappointed? I mean, anybody? Ever? <laughs> Placing our hope in God and his promises will never disappoint us. People will disappoint us circumstances will. The best of friends can disappoint us, but, but if we place our hope in God and His promises, He will never disappoint us. Thirdly, hope will purify us. Hope will uh, purify us. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not, been, has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, being Jesus, of course, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Who doesn't want to be pure? Well, it's not going to happen through religious or legalistic efforts, but it's through placing our hope in Jesus. And this passage, of course, is, is, has to do with the second coming. It has to do with Jesus... Uh, uh, coming in the clouds of heaven in power and glory. And when we see him, we're going to be like him. For we see him as he is. And if you have that hope, that's why I have such a passion for the second coming, the power and glory of God, because of this, this one verse should be enough for me to get really excited about the second coming. And I'm not placing my hope in a vent. I'm placing my hope in him. Because this says, everyone who has this hope, what hope? That he's coming and I'm going to be changed and become like him in the twinkling of an eye. And I'm going to see him as he is. I'm going to be pure. Well, if I have that hope, then it's purifying me. I'm being purified just as he is pure. I love that. Hope will give you strength. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, notice, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like you need strength in the course of a day. 
You know, the, just the day-to-day stuff, you just sometimes need strength. I mean, not just physical. Sometimes physical. The older you get, right, you need more physical strength. But emotional strength, mental strength, um, you know, fortitude, that kind of a thing. And, 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 and have you ever needed more power to walk through difficult circumstances? It's just like, this is tough. You know, this is stressful. This is whatever. And, 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 and have you ever needed to be renewed, you know, refreshed, rejuvenated, revitalized? I like all those R-E words. Well, it says, even use go through this stuff. Even the ones that should have all this energy and you know, vision and focus, even they get tired. Even they need to be renewed in their strength. And so we come to the last one where hope will be an anchor for your soul. And I mentioned something about being anchored, being grounded before. But it's from Hebrews uh, 16, 19. Um, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So this anchor is firm, solid, and it's secure. And this quote I have here is by R.C. Sproul about this verse. And he said, Hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish for such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. I love that little phrase that that hope latches on to the certainty. Isn't that good? That's being fully persuaded like it says about Moses. You latch on. See, that's where faith comes in too. You need them both because faith is the ability to see things that don't exist. Faith is the ability to hold on to something even, even though you, you, you don't, you've never seen it or never been there. You just know it because it's faith. So faith and hope are able to latch on to the certainty of things. Faith is able to grab it and hope instills you with this joy and this peace that leads to this overflowing sense of, uh, of, of the presence of the Lord in your life that's noticeable to others when we're going through difficult circumstances because when everything is fine and, you know, you're, you're living in, uh, you know, Bel Air um, and, you know, you're a believer and you're a multimillionaire, people may not come to you and ask you, how, how do you have any hope? You know, <laughs> life's not that difficult. Although, you know, if you look at it into a person's life, you cer- it, certainly, it certainly has been in certain ways. It's just people's perception. But when people get to know us and, uh, and, and they see our day-to-day things and the stuff that we're going through, and we're able to walk through the stress that everybody... You know, because life happens, right? And there is stress in life. There's difficulty. There's pain. There's sorrow. There's death. There's tragedy. There's financial challenges. There's all. Everybody goes through the same stuff. And so unbelievers want to see what believers, how they don't really want that. But when they know that you're going through something and then they realize you're a believer or vice versa, they know you're a believer, then they see what you're going through. They want to know how. How how can they do? How can you do that? How do you really maintain like that? And that's why I think the Bible is telling us, um, be ready to give an answer. Be ready for that. As you pray, um, you know, for your neighbors, for your friends, for the people that are around you. Hey, I'm done. So you guys can come up.
Um, I was quick. Man, that's the fastest I've ever been, Richard. <laughs> Number three, hope will pur- purify you. Yeah. So, um, one of the uh, one of the one of the great lies of the enemy, I think, is that your circumstance. It, it, uh, can you guys stand for for just a second? I'm just going to, I'm going to pray because I, I, I lost a little bit of focus. I want to pray and just and wait upon the Lord a little bit. Lord, we just uh, ask now for your presence uh, to come. And our eyes would be upon you right now, God. We want to listen to your voice, God. Minister to our hearts this morning. One of the things I was going to say is one of the great lies of the enemy is that your circumstance is hopeless. Whether it's financial, uh, your health, relational issues, or spiritual, emotional state, those kind of things. He wants to keep us bound in our circumstances. And, and, and his, his main thing is that, to, to tell you is that things will never change. And that keeps us bound in the circumstance because that's our focus in you know, this, this thing of things will never change. But the truth is that hope can set us free. Hope is the will of God for you. Hope will not disappoint you. Hope will purify you. Hope will give you strength. And hope will be the anchor for your soul. And so I want to pray that we change our focus off of the circumstances, off of the things or the people, difficult people, or whatever, or finances, off of those things and onto the Lord. Just like Abraham did, just like David, just like Paul, just like Daniel, where we can realize the difficulty, the stress, the anxiety even of whatever it is we're going through, but we can nevertheless choose to place our hope and our faith in God as we love Him. Faith, hope, and love. Does anybody have anything from the Lord, any word, any impression you're getting? Uh, Anything at all that has come to mind during this time? Yeah.
That is true. Anyone else? And I think um, what Bill shared is really appropriate during this season. Um, This is a tough season for a lot of people. It's a season of joy. It's a season of celebration. But things happen that make it difficult for some during this season. Uh, it, it could have been a tragedy, a loss, something that triggers things around Christmas that's difficult for people. And doesn't have to have happened on Christmas, but it's just the memories of Christmas with a beloved or, you know, whatever. There's just a lot of things that you, you know with people or you hear about, read about. It makes it tough. It makes it kind of stressful, fearful almost for people to, you know, during this season. And then there's the other where, you know, it's... There's people on the street, and it's cold, and no place to stay, and it's just you know. So there's a lot of reasons for for hopelessness, and uh, um, um, where where we can ask the Lord, how can can we provide hope to those that are emotionally hopeless, and maybe even physically and hopeless and, and desperate a little bit. So, Lord, we just pray that you would open our eyes to others uh, during this Christmas season, Lord season that we know is a season of giving and it is a season of hope as the savior of the world stepped down out of heaven to rescue us we thank you lord for that gift and lord we pray that we could be a gift to others by offering a sense of hope in their lives feeling of peace, Lord, and feeling that sometimes people just want to know that you understand and that you're there for them if they ever need anything. And I just pray, Lord, for open doors during this season, open doors in, in our lives with those around us, that we could give hope to others. And all the, the ones that we have touched, I think of... Uh, that Thanksgiving dinner with Bill and Debbie and the rest that served and the hope it must have been just for one day or just for one meal. Lord, would you expand upon that? Would you continue to minister into these hearts of people that we have served, maybe people in our neighborhood that we've served, that we've given ourselves to? Lord, we pray that you would uh, grow those seeds, water those seeds and let them begin to grow in their lives, that they would reach out for you because you're not far away. We bless your name, God. If anyone, um, as, as we close here, if, if anybody needs prayer, uh, it's kind of the, one of those seasons of, of getting sick. So if you have any physical ailments or if you'd like us to, to pray for you in any regard um, because of a s- specific situation you're going through, uh, just come on up afterwards and we'll do that, okay?